one of those Sundays where, man, we could just worship the whole Sunday. I love it. I don't know about you guys. I spend my, my whole time up there with my eyes closed. I should probably open them up so I can see what's going on. Uh, but man, it's just... Uh, songs like that can just get the Spirit moving. Amen? And the Spirit, we, we want to get the Spirit moving for a reason. Because as we open up the Word, we need the Spirit to come help us understand what's going on in there. And I've said that to you guys plenty of times before, that you can't have too much of one. If we have all of the Spirit, we end up over-spiritualizing things. If we have too much of the Word, we end up hitting each other in the head with the letter of the law, and we don't get anything done. We end up judging each other. And that's just not what it's about. So I'm going to ask uh, that you guys, during this sermon, continue to pray for the Spirit to be here. I asked for that last weekend. Uh, I'm going to ask for that again. Uh, simply because as we jump into this next set of scripture, this next set of scripture can be a hot button for the church. It can. And I've already experienced kind of a, a kickback from the last time that I talked about this word called predestination. Basically saying that, uh, you know, God makes us do everything. And I just have to simply say right quick that we have a God, we serve a God who has the capability and the authority to do anything he wants. Anything he wants. But because he loves us as children, we do have a choice. Choice is in there. Alright? So the reason why I'm going to ask for the Holy Spirit to come into this room and you guys, I'm asking for you guys to pray as well during the sermon and just have your mind on that is because what comes out of the scripture today, I want the Spirit of God to speak to you on. Not Alex Square, not the uh, personality that's coming from the front. Does that make sense this morning? Another reason why I say this is because in other translations, we're in Romans chapter 9, okay? So for those of you who are new here, also those of you who have been here a thousand years, we started the book of Romans at the beginning of the year, and we're creeping. It's good. Creeping. And we're halfway, uh, kind of halfway through chapter 9, um, about the midway point. We're going to be looking at verses 14 through the end of the chapter today. So there's going to be a lot of reading. There really is. But I'll never apologize for reading the word too much. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? On a Sunday morning. Uh, sometimes I feel like I jump off too much into analogies or trying to make the scripture make sense. And you know what? Sometimes you just need to read it. You just need to read it. But back to my statement, in some uh, translations of the word, because this set of scripture has been such a hot topic and hard to get through, some translations just get rid of the whole thing. They just take it out. And to be honest with you, if all Scripture is God-breathed, if all Scripture comes from Him, it's in there for a reason, ladies and gentlemen. And I don't know about you guys or how you operate, but I know that sometimes in my life in the past, because of certain circumstances, you know, you experience pain or whatever, and you do everything you can to not experience that pain again. So if the pain's right here, you kind of want to skirt around it, right? Well, if there's something that we don't understand in the Word, same principle, sometimes we might have a tendency to kind of skirt around it and just whip, skip from 8 to 10 and we're good. Chapter 8, go to 10. We don't have to deal with chapter 9 because it makes us uncomfortable. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen? It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. No scripture has ever been set up to contradict itself. Does that make sense this morning? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let the scripture speak about the scripture and tell us what the scripture is saying. Number one, about the character of who God is. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, really quick, Kayla, can you grab me a bulletin out there and just bring that up for me? Thank you. We're going to be reading verses 14 through 33. All right? We're going to jump into this here just in a second. Thank you so much. Uh, sometimes I have my cross-references written down. 
Today I forgot, okay? Don't judge me. But they're on the bulletin, so that's why I had her give me a bulletin. <laughs> I appreciate that. We got references in Hebrews. We got references in Luke. We got references also in Romans. I don't want to spend too much more time on this introduction, but there are a few things that I have to say before we jump into this. Oftentimes, ladies and gentlemen, when we don't understand something in the scripture, what do we do human nature-wise? We pack us around it. We pack our understanding around it. It's probably safe to say that. If I don't understand something, then what I'm going to do is try to fill in the gaps, fill in the blanks, right? Um, with that being said, I want to make this statement to you, which you may or may not have heard before, is that nowhere in the Word did the Lord ask us to understand the Word. Before, He asked us to have faith in it. Does that make sense? He wants you to understand it. He wants you to make sense of it. He wants it to make sense to you. But at what point does that stop us from simply letting faith work first and letting understanding come second? Are you with me this morning? Let faith work first and understanding, I guarantee you, 100% of the time, it will come. It will come. Now, this scripture we're about to read can be, I don't want to say, I'm not going to say it then. It's not confusing. <laughs> it's not confusing at all. This is scripture that is speaking about the character of God, right? Now, also what I want to do is say that this is not the only scripture in the Bible, obviously. It's not the only passage. It's not the only chapter. It's not the only book. It's not the only testament, all right? And why is that? Because we have to take Genesis to Revelation. All of it. I used to be a worship leader. And I would always push, hey, worship, we got, worship's got to be this. Worship's got to be this, right? In my mind, when I was a worship leader, worship was the it in the beginning years. Uh, prayer wasn't exactly there. Body ministry wasn't exactly there. But if we had worship, man, we were good. And the Lord convicted me in that and said, look, brother, there's plenty more of me that needs to come into not only a Sunday morning, but every day of the week. He began to say worship is more than music. So we can take one thing and make it the it, right? People have taken this set of scripture and made it the it. And it is not the it, ladies and gentlemen. There's so much more about the character of Christ and God than just right here that if we only take this, of course it's going to be confusing. But we have to take other scriptures and allow those things to speak to us about who Christ is. Amen? Are you with me this morning? Alright. So let's just start reading. I'm not even going to say bear with me. I'm just saying, look, ladies and gentlemen, let's have fun reading scripture today. Yeah. So verse 14 says this. It says, what then, excuse me, what shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? May it never be. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. So then he has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. Verse 19. You will say then to me, why does he still find fault for who resists his will? On the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this, will it? Or does not the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath to make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? 23, and he did so to make uh, known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory, even us, whom he also called, not from among Jews only, but also from among Gentiles. 
as he says also in Hosea. Now, I'm going to pause right there for a second because the, the scriptures that come after that are quoting the Old Testament. But if we run all the way back up to verse 14, how did we get to verse 14? Paul left us at the, pin the pinnacle of love at the end of chapter 8 saying nothing can separate us from the love of Christ and then we see in the first five verses of chapter 9 that Paul has this deep sorrow for, for Israel and it's because Israel has stepped away from the Messiah. Straight up, stepped away from him. We come back in verses 6 uh, through 13 and there's a principle in here that is being pulled out saying this, that God has the right to choose and God has the right to make any decision he so pleases at any time and it continues in verse 14 through verse 23 saying that I will have mercy on who I have mercy and I will have compassion on who I have compassion whom I choose to have compassion and then moves down and talks about the fact that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so he will choose to have mercy on who he chooses and he will harden those who he chooses to harden. Now the reason why this scripture is such a, uh, it clashes so much with Christians is because people don't understand really what's being said. So they say, how can God make us do anything? Is God saying that he knows that I'm all of a sudden going to touch this pew? Does he know that I'm all of a sudden going to comment on this red carpet that is just awful and one day we'll be able to get out of here? <laughs> but what about free will? What about these things that have to do with choice? You guys with me this morning? That's how we get to these verses. Very quickly, let's also talk about the character of Christ when it comes to this passage. Hebrews 6 17 and 18. I want you to really get an understanding of some of the character of our, of our Lord. Can we get that up on the screen there? Hebrews 6, 17 and 18. There we go. I love this, uh, love this verse. It says, In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie oh yes hallelujah so that it is impossible for God to lie we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us so I want you to know something everything that comes out of God's mouth has a purpose and he cannot lie. That is amazing. He cannot contradict himself. Is there an amen in here at all? Hallelujah. Come on now. Now you know why that is so important? Because he said he'd never take his hand off of you. Thank God he wasn't lying. He never said he'd leave you or forsake you. Thank God he wasn't lying. And in the passages that we read in chapter 8, that if God is for us, who can be against us? Thank God he cannot lie. Amen. Now, here's what else he can't lie about. Let's go to Luke 9, 56. Okay? Now, ladies and gentlemen, again, this is scripture. This isn't me just saying, hey, let, let me get your mind on the right track so that you can agree with me this morning. That is not it. I want you to agree with scripture. And not with Alex's opinion. Luke 9, 56 says this. We get that up there? Yeah. But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. This is an uh, excerpt from a story where um, two disciples were walking with Jesus and they were going to Jerusalem and Jerusalem didn't accept Jesus. So the two disciples were like, Lord, do you want us to call the fire of heaven down on them? <laughs> just zero to a hundred, just like that. Lord, what do you want us to do? Let's just blow them out of here. And he says, guess what? Well, I, I didn't come to destroy men. I came to build them up. 
So if God can't lie, and this is his purpose, this is one of his purposes for us, that if we even go back to Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm pretty sure you guys know that verse. Uh, let me get to it here real quick. Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says this, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. Every decision that Jesus, God, the Spirit, the Father makes is so that you will not be without. And so that you will lack nothing. And he is not able to contradict himself in his statements when it comes to that. Does that make sense this morning? So when we take all of that, we plug that character, who God is and what he says all throughout the word about himself into this, I will have mercy on whom I choose to have mercy on and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. We have to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that it's not necessarily our right. Well, I can't say that. Let me say this. We get off track when we start questioning something that we simply don't understand Instead of saying this, Lord, this is what you said. Let me be a good representation of it. Instead of, I have to understand it before I can speak it to somebody else. Now that may be like, well, I don't know if I agree with you there, Pastor. That's okay. You don't have to agree with me. But when the Lord's tapping on your shoulder in the supermarket or at the gym, and he's saying, I need you to go talk to that person, you may not feel ready at that point. You may not understand why at that point. But God has commissioned you right then and there to go and speak and let faith work first before understanding comes second. Let under understanding come second. Does that make sense this morning? Now there's, there's a lot in these scriptures that I might even have to come back to uh, next week. But I want to make sure that we get off on the right foot with these. Now let me read 26 through 33. And then I'm going to take you over to Romans. A couple, one, excuse me, two chapters over to Romans 11. 17 through 27. But here's what it says 25 through the end of the chapter. And he also says in Hosea, I will call those who are not my people my people and her who was not beloved beloved and it shall be in that place where it is where it was said to them you are not my people they there they excuse me there they shall be called sons of the living God Isaiah cries out concerning Israel through the number though the number of the sons of Israel be like the sand of the sea it is the remnant that will be saved for the Lord will execute his word on earth thoroughly and quickly. Verse 29. And just as Isaiah foretold, unless the Lord of uh, Seboeth had left to us a posterity, we would have become like Sodom and would have resembled Gomorrah. What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness even the righteousness which is by faith, but Israel pursuing a law of righteousness did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone, just as it is written. Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Now very quickly, there's a, there's a chunk that's being spoken. There's a, there's a, how do I say this? A chunk of scripture from 14 to 18 that has to be looked at. There's a chunk from 19 to the end of 24 that is in essence saying the same thing in a different way. So from 14 to 18... Really quick, I love it. What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? Basically saying there is no unrighteousness. He is not capable of being unrighteous. 
That's just a statement that's being put out there. May it never be. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. Now that right there, ladies and gentlemen, we have to understand something about mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is choosing not to blow somebody's butt out of the water when you have all the evidence and jurisdiction and right to do so. Now that's Alex's definition, okay? That's not Webster, you won't see that in there. But this thing, mercy, understand the God that you serve when it comes to that. There may have been some things that you messed up in last night, this morning, that warrant punishment, that warrant, I don't know what else to say, punishment, getting your butt spanked, all right? That's what my dad would say to me, boy, I'm going to put some on you, all right? Put the fear of God in me. And his triceps. I always talk about his triceps. They're huge. But we come to a place where we understand what this mercy really is when the Lord says, I reserve the right to put that on anyone whom I choose. Now understand how this verse is being uh, communicated in a positive and not a negative. He says, I will give no mercy. He doesn't say, I will give no mercy uh, unless I choose to give it to you. And I will give no compassion unless I decide that you're the one who I'm going to give compassion to. No, he says, I will give mercy. It is given on whom I choose. And compassion is given on whom I choose. And then we talk about this Pharaoh hardening of mercy on who I am. Have mercy on and I harden Pharaoh's heart. I had a question about this a while ago. Well, did God choose to make Pharaoh evil? And I would say, no. And here's why. Could you, I guess a better definition of the word darkness is what? The absence of light, right? Because the light will drive out the darkness. You can't walk into a room with darkness and all of a sudden the light scurries away. It doesn't do that. <laughs> the light drives out the darkness, right? Darkness is the absence of light. Well, what is good? I would say good is the absence. Excuse me. Good is Jesus. Good is everything that God is. And what is evil? Evil is the absence of who he is. So I wouldn't say that the Lord makes somebody evil. Does he have the power to do so? Yes. Because he's God. Do I understand why he does or doesn't? No. If you do, help brother out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He reserves the right to have mercy, to have compassion. But I believe that when evil is present, it's the absence of who he is. Did the Lord step away from Pharaoh so that his heart was hardened? Ask him. He might tell you. It says that he hardened his heart for the purpose of his glory. I need to just hold that and say God is who he is because that's what he said. Now, here's where scripture actually supports the walking away or the God, God not necessarily walking away, but stepping to the side. Just turn back to Romans 1. And it talks about unbelief and its consequences. And first in verse 18, I'm going to read verses uh, 24, 26, and 28. But the beginning of this unbelief and its consequences comes from verse 18 saying, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Here we go. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. See, the Lord has made himself known to you. He's made himself known, I guarantee you, to every non-believer as well. In all of creation, God has made himself known. But those who choose to suppress the truth in unrighteousness, that's a big deal. Okay? <laughs> it's, it's saying, I know and I choose to walk the other direction. So here's what happened. It says in verse 24, Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be uh, dishonored among them. Verse 26, for this reason God gave them over to degrading passions. 
for there. You can go down there, uh, read through that. And then again, in verse 28, it says again, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind. Sometimes God will say, look, if you're looking for this one thing and you go after this thing so hard all the time, I'm just going to let you have it and you will see what it's like to not have me. That's a character trait of the Lord saying, I'm not going to take my hand off you, but I might just step back a little bit because I'm not going to make you do anything, <laughs> but I'm going to let you have what you want to have. And when you fall flat on your face, when I fall flat on my face over and over and over again, you will see how much more you need me and come back to me. Does that make sense this morning, church? So as we read these scriptures, we have to be, and I, gotta, I should have said this at the beginning with the, with the title, a trustworthy vessel. That when I give this to somebody else, when I speak the character of Christ to someone else, can he trust you to be a good representation? Can he trust you to be a vessel that says, here's who God is and not mm, what I think. And not uh, what I've been through. And not uh, all the things that have raised themselves up against what Jesus is saying. Or excuse me, yes, raised themselves up against Jesus in my life. But can the Lord trust you with what's been deposited in you to give it exactly how it was given? Are you with me this morning? My gifting is not as a teacher. I've heard, I've said that to you so many times. <laughs> and you guys have probably heard and nodded your head on a Sunday morning like, no, he, he can't teach, but he can preach. Oh boy, that boy can preach. My job is to preach. It's to proclaim the word. It's to just say, hey, here, come feed on this. As a shepherd, you'll never see a shepherd bend down, pick up the grass, and shove it in the sheep's mouth. I've said that to you before. Why? Because it's your job to eat. It's your job to eat. It is not my job to feed you. It's my job to say, look, this is what it is saying. Take your opinion and curb it. Because there are many times when I've had to do the same thing. Take what you think and curb it. Read what the scripture says. Let the scripture speak to you about the scripture. And whatever about your opinion that the Lord wants you to pick back up, he'll tell you. Your opinion matters. But it doesn't supersede his. Amen. Amen. Thank God. You guys with me this morning? So these chapters, 9, 10, and 11, have to do with the sovereignty of God and how he actually saves a man. As we read from 9, 10 to 11, you can see in here that the Lord is very... Uh, speaking through Paul, he's very explicit about saying, coming off of chapter 8, there's nothing that can separate us from him. And then he talks about, in the latter chapter, chapter verse 11, and we'll get to this, 17 through 27, talking about cutting branches off. And you're thinking to yourself, well, Lord, I don't want to be a branch that gets cut off and thrown into the fire. I thought you said there was nothing that could separate me from your love. So here you are talking about this over here. And here's a contradicting statement about being cut off because you're not bearing any fruit. See, I'm just going to say, keep reading. Just, just keep reading because there's an answer. All right? You guys with me this morning? Let's jump over to the scripture because I don't want there to be any kind of misconception about the Lord separating us from him. But there is more to the story as we continue to read through these verses. And it starts off in verse 17 saying this. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, being a wild olive, were grafted in among them and became, part, uh, became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant towards the branches. But if you are arrogant, remember that it it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. I'm going to stop right there real quick. 
Do you understand that this adoption of sons that we've talked about in chapters before is this grafting in, that the Lord took you and grafted you into the root of who he is. Does that make sense? You guys with me this morning on that? So we get to the end of chapter, end of chapter, the end of verse 19, and there's a question saying this, you will say then branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in, and the answer is this, quite right. You mean to tell me that there were people who were cut off so I could come in? Well, what about those people? Is God thinking about those people? Is Jesus thinking about those people? Am I one of those people who got cut off so someone else could get grafted in? These are questions, ladies and gentlemen. That the entire church, sometimes because we don't understand and take the whole counsel of God, we take these questions and we try to logically make how do I say this? Logically come to an understanding or a conclusion of our own without just continuing to read. And it says this, quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief. And what did we read about unbelief? Go back to chapter 1. I'm not going to go back there because we read it already. They were broken off because of their unbelief. The Lord said, I'm simply just going to back off just a little bit. I'm going to give you over to what you are wanting so bad. But you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Awesome. That gives me so much confidence in what I'm doing. Not. <laughs> but we continue to read. Behold, then the kindness and severity of God to those who fail. Severity, but to you, God's kindness. If you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. Verse 23. And they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. That's a huge statement right there. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? See, you can fall away, but the Lord's never going to separate himself. You will never be separated from the love of God. He's saying that if you step away, but you don't continue in your unbelief, you get grafted right back in. See, we serve a God who is continually standing there with his arms wide open saying, hey, come back. When you come to your senses and you get up out of the pig trough, the pigsty, whatever it is, and you come screaming home, your father's going to see you from a ways away, and he's not even going to be worried about what you did or what you squandered away. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Prodigal son. He's just going to say, my son was lost, but now he's found. The character of God is what we have to apply to every set of scripture. Jesus, in his sovereignty, in his saving grace, in his mercy, is in all of it. We cannot just take one thing and make it to it. Are you guys with me this morning? Amen. I don't want this to be a teaching as much as I want it to be, hey, walk out of here knowing what kind of God you serve. Not trying to fill in the blanks. Does that make sense? Fill in the blanks with your stuff. Know who he is. Spend time going from Genesis to Revelation and seeing what the scripture says not only about him but about you. But my, my charge to you this morning Ladies and gentlemen, my appeal to you and my challenge to you as well is this. Comes by way of the title. Can God trust you with what he's given you? Can he trust you to not add you to it as you give it? And the other part of it is do you trust God in what he says? Do you trust him? That's a tough one. It shouldn't be. <laughs> but sometimes it is. Do you trust him? We've been talking about this word, intimacy, for the past two weeks. 
It's interesting that the moment I, I bring that up, the moment I say that, sometimes there's shifting butts in the seats. There's, it's just a word. It's like, I'm good. Like, I don't, I don't want to go there. Because it, it means I relinquish control. And that's exactly right. <laughs> I'm sorry. But that's exactly right. When the Lord calls you, He is calling you to a deeper level of intimacy. It is going to bring you from trying to understand Him to simply experiencing Him today. Now. And using that experience to catapult you into the, I don't know, the next part of your walk with Him as He tells us to work out our salvation. The next step. Thank God we never arrive. Thank God we never just show up and say, alright, this is it. Awesome. Are you serious? What about all the other stuff I've been dreaming about? Are you guys with me this morning? I'm still calling you to a deeper level of intimacy. God is calling you, but I'm encouraging you to that. So that you may know Him. One of the scariest scriptures, let's get the worship team back up here. One of the scariest scriptures that I've ever really come across is Matthew 7. And I was talking to some people about this to, uh, this week. And it's in reference to judging others. But you get to, uh, excuse me, not judging others, I'm sorry. Omit that. We'll, uh, we'll edit that on the, the podcast. We'll just cut that one out. Just big long bleep. But it's, it, it's verse 21 through 23. I've read this before, but it just it keeps hitting me. It keeps coming up when it comes to knowing Christ. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Verse 22 says this, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons. And in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Man, I don't ever want to hear that. Because I can know God, but do I know him? You can sit here and listen and understand some things in the scriptures about God, but when rubber meets the road, do you know him here? And does he come out when it's crunch time? When you don't have enough money, you don't have enough food, you don't have enough time, you don't have enough patience, you don't have enough this, that, or the other thing. To know him, ladies and gentlemen, is the only thing that's going to allow us to move forward as a church. But to know him by way of intimacy. Amen? Amen. Let's come on up here. Get ready for our offering. Go ahead on and play there a little bit there, Jared. Um. Father, we thank you so much for what you're you're doing in us this morning and through us. And Lord, we just ask for more. Uh, not because we want to take it, Lord, and um, keep it to ourselves, but Lord, we ask for more because that's what f- is going to fill us up and we want to operate out of our overflow so that when we go out of this place, Lord, people can experience the you, the Jesus that's in us because it's just overflowing. We want to operate in the more. Uh, we want to come with everything that we have from that. And so this morning, Lord, as we uh, give, I just pray that you would allow us to give with a joyful heart. And Lord, we would just relinquish to you what is yours. So Father, this morning, we love you. We thank you. We need you. Continue to be here. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can go ahead and pass that.
I'm going to bring I'm going to bring Pastor Rick up here right quick because he said he has some things to share with you. I want you guys to lean in because when this man speaks <laughs> he'll, uh, he'll knock you right in the face. So, Not literally, but thank you. You know, some of us uh, with this message man, it was good, wasn't it? It was a good message. Because it draws us to the person uh, of, it draws us to the scripture writer, the, the God uh, of the word. But you know there's some of us in this room that you don't trust yourself to read the scriptures. Man, you, to listen to somebody else, man, that you trust that. But to, but to read it for yourself, man, you, 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 you question what you get out of it. That to be honest with the word and to be faithful in regard to what it says comes with a confidence that we can apply faith. We can exercise that open heart and we can receive. And I really believe that some of us even that have been around for a, a long time we are some of those too, that we read books about scripture, we read scripture, we read other people's teaching, because we don't trust that we can receive revelation. And without that peace, Jesus says, they'll know my voice when I speak. So there are some of us here that, that it's not, I'm not challenging you like something's wrong. I'm challenging you like you don't have to stay there. That doesn't have to be the end for you. Jesus says, uh, I was just looking this up, man, it hit me as I'm in the back. It says, Jesus breathed on them and opened up the scriptures. They understood the scriptures. Man, you could study, you can become super smart, you could have a technique for studying the Bible, you can have a lot of things. But if you don't have confidence, Alex said so well a few weeks ago that um, confidence means that you're no longer in the process of being persuaded. So it's something I believe it's important that you respond to. That you recognize, Lord, I feel sometimes stupid when I read the word. Or sometimes I feel like other Christians can receive such deep insight into the word. And, and I seem to not be able to do that. I seem to go into the Word, but man, I'll tell you what, I don't come away with it really having encountered the God of the Word. So if, if that makes sense to you, or you're in that place, I want you to just get up out of your seat. And I just want you to come forward. And I want you to put this away from you forever. I want there to be this miracle of this change. That testimony this morning is about what happened. Man, we set aside medicine because it's not that medicine is bad, but we just wanted to trust God. And you know what? My dad is cancer-free. That came to a place where we moved from all the things that were love and heart and desire for his dad to be well, but it came to that point, Lord, I'm just going to trust you, the one who can make my dad well. So I'm asking you this morning, can you trust God to make you well in terms of reading the scriptures? So I, man, I'm not going to say it again. I want you to stand up if that means anything to you. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another day and say, okay, I don't want to embarrass myself in front of other people. There's many in here that have this issue. I want you to stand up and I want you to move this way right now. There's more than two. Come on now. There's more than three. There's more than four. I want you to stand up and I want you to move up here. I'm not cornering you. I'm just saying you've been putting up with agony. You've been putting up with something that's not yours. You've been, you've been allowing this to steal and rob from you. I want you to stand up. There's more to come. I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to wait for you. I just want to see this stop in your life. I want to see when, that when you come to the body of Christ, you not only can receive, but man, you've got something to say. And when you're at work, you got something to say. And when you're with your family in Thanksgiving, you got something to say. You're not going to be an expert. You're going to be what? A vessel. So there's, there's, there's several more. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to turn my back. I'm just going to wait for you. Don't, 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 don't play around this morning. Father, don't right pretend now. that's not you. Don't pretend you're going to be okay later. 
God, I just pray against the fear that's in the room. God, I pray against whatever resistance yes. is in the room, Lord. Um, <laughs> this is in no way, shape, or form a, a, a forcing. We know this, Father. We know this. But, Lord, it's, it's a submission. It's saying, God, I don't want to do this on my own anymore. Yes. And, Lord, I just I, I pray for uh, just a breaking of the flesh so we can step into a place, Father, where there is no second guessing. There is no, was that my flesh? Or was that you? Father, we want the flesh to pass away and the spirit to rise. Yeah. Spirit to come forward. Yes. And so, Father, I thank you for the response. I thank you for Amen. what's happening. Father, it can happen anywhere in this room. It doesn't have to come up front. It doesn't have to happen up front. But we do know, Lord, that you look at the heart. Yes. We do know that you look Be at courageous. what's going on inside. And, Lord, if that has to happen where we're sitting, Lord, I pray that it happens where we're sitting. Yes. If that has to happen in the parking lot outside, I pray that it happens outside. Lord, I pray that something doesn't have to happen to get our attention, that you get our attention right now. But, Lord, we don't have to find ourselves in a hospital bed. We don't have to find ourselves having lost somebody. But you get our attention right now, Father. <laughs> and you let these chains yes. be broken. You let these chains be broken in Jesus. Yes. Amen. Very good. And you can you can come up and you can talk to me later or Alex. Man, it's all good. There's not pressure. It's a chance. <laughs> it's an opportunity. So this morning, see, I I can't breathe on you and give you this. Jesus has got to breathe on you and give you this. And man, I want you to open your hearts wide. I want you, want you to, to not think about what happens if it doesn't happen or what happens if this isn't real or what happens if tomorrow I feel the same way. You know what? There comes a moment in our Christian life, man, we are desperate. Not for explaining why I'm desperate, but for receiving in such a way that I have this old history that is going to change right now. So I want you to open your hearts. I want you to open your hands how wide you want to receive. <laughs> how, how wide do you want to receive? Right? Because God wants his body to know him. Man, there's no other reason to read the Bible than but to know him. That's it. That is all. He wants to tell you who he is. And that threshold is going to change right now. You're going to step over it. And I'm so adamant about this this morning, not because I'm mad at you, but God is mad about you. He doesn't want this to be a hindrance to you ever again. And you're going to say in the next weeks to come, you know what? I used to think I couldn't. Now I can. I used to receive. I, I, you know, maybe you're still not going to pronounce the names in the Bible correctly. That's all right. But you're never going to say again, that I can't receive or somebody else can what I can. So Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you. The exhortation is not from Rick. The exhortation is not an intense thing. The, the, the exhortation is today is the day you've stepped over the line. In getting up out of your chair, you said yes to that. You said yes, Lord. And where you're sitting today, you can say, yes, Lord, I receive. I've got my arms out as wide as I want to receive. I don't want to be a little bit better in this. I want to be the son or the daughter that can come before you and receive that word, Father, with my arms open wide. That, Father, I know that I have freedom to come. I've been beckoned to come. And, Father, I've been beckoned to come behind the veil. I've been beckoned to come where you are. I don't have to stand at the outer courts and hope that I can get something from the priest or hope that I can get something from the prophet. But, Father, I'm going to come and I'm going to receive from you. And I'm going to receive that word. That, Father, I am a vessel. I am a vessel. I am a vessel, Lord. So, Father, we just thank you for these hearts up here that are receiving and the hearts out there that are praying for these people. The Father are lifting their hands toward these people and saying, Lord, give to them. Give to them what you have to them. Give to them. And these people in front are saying, Lord, I'm going to give to these folk behind me. I'm going to give it away. I'm going to be a vessel. The Father, I'm no longer going to second guess myself. And I'm no longer, Father, going to be in a place where I count myself as Father on the outside when in reality I'm on the inside. 
So Lord, we thank you for this. We honor you. We thank you that it doesn't take any emotion. It just takes faith. God, I believe your breath upon me is that I, Father, would understand the scriptures. And that, Father, nothing in me anymore gets to have a vote greater than your gift. So, Lord, we bless you. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I hear the chains falling. I hear the chains falling. I hear the chains falling. Thank you, Jesus. I hear the chains falling. I hear the chains falling. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing this morning. We just want to continue to submit, Lord. I hear the Come on, come on. I hear the Father, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives, Lord. And we say that we hear the chains falling in areas that we were bound, but now we're free. So we thank you for the freedom. And Lord, we now want to go spend that freedom on somebody else. We want to go spend what you've put in us on something else. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Amen. You guys are free to go.